This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. On this edition of Update One, we explore how America's young people can be taught to separate fact from fiction in the information avalanche that hits them every day. The National Association for Media Literacy Education has been holding its annual conference here in Washington, and we have with us three of its leading participants. I'm Irv Chapman, a longtime member of the National Press Club. Jeff Scher began as a freelance photojournalist traveling the world for 10 years. Then he shifted to education, teaching in Los Angeles public schools, and with a PhD in hand from the University of California, Los Angeles, he's been working with new teachers at the elementary and middle school levels. Professor Natasha Casey of Blackburn College in Carlinville, Illinois, teaches in the Communications and English Department. Dr. Belinda de Abreu teaches at Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut, and is also affiliated with the United Nations Economic and Social Council and the U.S. National Telemedia Council. And she chairs the annual conference that brought us together. Dr. de Abreu, is there any overarching theme or concern for educators at this year's conference? Oh, I think we are dealing with a lot of social justice issues this year. And really, the basic theme was to get people to start talking about the things that we don't like to talk about. Um, racial injustice, you know, the issues that we're seeing in the world in terms of um, in schools not being able to engage in the hot topics of today from politics all the way down to sexuality. Well, that means that the schools aren't doing their job if they don't teach people the topics of the day uh, and the media. That is, people get it off their little tablet or their little phone are inadequate at the job. Well, I, I think I wouldn't say that they're inadequate at the job. I think that the job is making it a little bit more difficult to teach those topics. And it's not that teachers don't want to teach it. They absolutely want to teach it. But they also don't feel that they have the power to teach it, as well as maybe some of the background knowledge that is necessary, especially in this day and age with so much changing. And with so much controversy that people will jump down your throat. With so much controversy. Jeff, pediatricians recommend that babies not get a tablet until, what, the age of two, but kids start life on a screen at a very early age. How can mom and dad, followed by preschool teachers and beyond, how can they get them to recognize fakery from the get-go? That's a big challenge. Um, and I think there are different things that different people should do. I mean, there are different roles that parents have to play uh, versus teachers. I think early on, parents um, r restricting and setting limits for the usage of media is very important. But I think by the time they get to school, teachers don't have that option. Uh, they're going to be using it and interacting with it. So what I, what teachers need to be doing is taking a more proactive approach to helping students think about how to use it, how to understand it, how to make sense, and then how to use it as a tool to, to actually make differences and improve the world. Well, how do they teach these basic skills uh, to very young children? We do a lot of different things, but one of the things is just what we're doing right here is creating podcasts. We work with uh, teachers in some of the most under-resourced schools in Los Angeles where the teachers 
pull out their cell phones and record audio podcasts with their students where they the kids either explore different ideas or sometimes will go home and the, the children will interview their parents. The parents will use their cell phone and they'll send that voice recording to the teacher. And then in the class, the whole classroom can discuss um, and, and listen to the parents stories about their life, about their struggles uh, to, to analyze and, and create. Uh, there are websites for kids and algorithms that feed them one video after another, and some of them seem to be less than wholesome. What do you do about that? So again, there, there's different roles. And I think this is where parents need to be much more proactive in terms of trying to f know what their, their children are doing and help guide them with critical thinking. Because the, the old idea of being able to censor or protect kids really doesn't work today when everybody has a cell phone that has access to anything and everything in the world constantly. And there, there are programs that are constructed, like you said, specifically to catch their attention, to keep their attention, and to be able to sell and continue selling ideas and products. And so one thing is that regulation, that the role that parents need to play. And another thing is the empowerment that both parents and teachers need in terms of teaching kids how to think critically and question all information. Well, one reason that misleading information gets circulated about and by politicians is that young people can graduate from high school and even college without learning how the government works and how the economy works. Can media literacy education fill in the gaps, Dr. Casey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like what Jeff said a second ago. Um, students, when I, by the time I see them when they come to college, they've heard their whole lives being sort of um, people wagging their finger at them and telling them, you know, stay off the internet, uh, don't do this, don't do that, very protectionist. And we need to break out of that bowl. And instead, it, this this is media literacy education is, is nothing new in one sense. It is just the application of critical thinking to media. And um, you can't talk about media without understanding uh, the role that politics and uh, plays in all of our lives as well. So, um, and that's another reason that I think we tend to complain about um, students not being involved in the news. Um, but I don't think the news does a very good job, or at least traditional news does a very good job at creating spaces. You already have to have some knowledge in order to um, understand what's going on in the news. And I think there's a little bit of a gap there. So yeah, the media literacy and edu education in one way sounds like something new, but really it's just a, it's a, it's a form of critical thinking um, applied to media. The issue of, of the schools falling down on the job of what used to be called civics education or current events education uh, leaves a big gap. And uh, you're saying that without that, students really don't appreciate what comes at them from newscasts or uh, news sites. Absolutely. I think, you know, the problem can be boiled down to this. You know, in the old days, it was about access to information, right? You had to go someplace to find it. It was harder to find out what was going on in the world. Today, we're bombarded with it. It's information overload and not just students, but ourselves. How do we navigate this new landscape? Um, it's new for everybody, right? It's only 20 years old. And I think this is the challenge. Um, and, and we all need education around that idea. How do you navigate? When you search for something and you come up with 5 million hits, most people don't even go past the first page. So this has to become part of education from, 
you know, the earliest kids right up through through college and, and think, beyond. Right. And I actually think to piggyback on that, I think we have to really consider where students are at, where they're getting their news, because they aren't doing it the traditional way. And parents today aren't even doing it traditionally. So it's important to see how some of these media technologies can be used in a way that does connect to these students, because that's where they're at and that's where they live in. So it's I think the the shift in the landscape of how news is being put out. And that's an important part about media literacy is that it's both about analysis and production. So we're teaching kids to think critically as they're reading, analyzing, listening, but also critically when they're creating and producing media. Well, it seems that you're suggesting the best way to uh, get students to learn how to use news media is to teach them some of the elements of journalism itself. Yes, absolutely. Citizen journalists, kids can be telling stories that people aren't hearing about their lives, about their experiences, about their their histories that can go viral, that people around the world can start learning. It's a basic principle like to understand how something is put together. You, you have to also understand uh, how to deconstruct it. Those two things go hand in hand, right? right? And they understand this, the concept of stories as well, because that's something that from the beginning they've been read to or uh, the literacy piece begins. So I think stories are important and these are personalized stories as well. Well, social media are built on the principle of people sharing news and information from their peers what can you do to limit the misinformation that they are spreading themselves? The people who are actually putting out the information? Anybody can. Yeah. Yes, Anybody that's true. Anybody can hit send on a phone. Sure. Absolutely. I think awareness is the first step. We all have to slow down. Um, we can't just say students are the only ones doing this. But the first step in my classroom is always awareness. Why are you sending it? Where did it come from? How are you sharing it? Who are you sharing it with? Is it share worthy? Why? Why not? Right. You know, asking those kinds of questions, I think, is fundamental. Absolutely. Did you even read it before you shared it? I think one of the things that people do is just click and send. They don't even read the information. And I think that's part of it. What is it that's in the message that triggered you to actually press the button? Well, and also what often is the case when what's in it is something startling and novel. And it may be startling a novel because it's fake. It ain't true. That's true. But that's also media literacy work. Okay. And it's also about understanding the power of language, of communication of words, so that the more that this, the children start to see words really do matter, they have impact. That means I need to be much more conscious about what I'm seeing and listening to and, and, and sharing, and especially more ethical and thinking about moral questions in terms of what is it I'm posting? What's missing? What, what can we do to improve society? Well, the social media are under fire for allowing misinformation to be posted on everything from cancer cures to public affairs, and they benefit from a law that absolves them of responsibility for the content. What do you think should be done about that from shaming them or changing the law? Anybody? It's a it's a mixture. I mean, media sometimes media literacy education can put a little bit too much emphasis on the personal. You know, it's the or the individual, right? You have to be educated in order to read the media. But we also need um, structures in place. You need laws. If you look at what's going on in the European Union, I think this is a pretty good model. The ways in which they are um, curtailing the power of social media companies in some ways. Do you think about opting in or opting out? You know, is that is that box already checked for you? We also have to be careful of this fine line of censorship mm -hmm. because we can create laws that literally stop many voices without 
thinking of it, to be honest with you. And we'll be preventing one piece, but we may have created another problem. And so I think this is one of those places where there's going to have to be a lot more carefully considered uh, research, maybe, and even dialogue about what it is that we're saying we want a law for. How do you address uh, at every level uh, the use of social media to insult, bully, even threaten people with whom you disagree or personally dislike? So again, that gets back to understanding the power of words and language for students to be more aware, conscious of just their their role and the weight of our communication, that it's not something to be taken lightly, that there's a heavy responsibility and there's a fabulous potential for us to make change and improve the world by taking control and putting out, creating ethical, positive, important messages. And that's something kids are doing from kindergarten on up now. The important thing is the piece about conscious engagement. Too much of what we do, I think, online is unconscious, not even thought, thoughtful in any way at all. That conscious engagement is the work that needs to get done. Yes. And social media can be used for social good as well. That's the other thing. I mean, you know, what gets the headlines are all, uh, you know, the negative things. And I'm not disregarding those. Of course, they happen. But also look at the ways in which uh, social media can be used for good, whether it's building community, um, you know, supporting your neighbor. um, Think about all the news at your fingertips. You know, we talk about the misinformation, but it's amazing what you can access online. And I also think teens are a wonderful resource for this because this is when you can see them being motivated to use those social networks to get people to see things. If we look at Parkland, if we look at, you know, when people have died in their communities, just recently in my own community where a student passed away, the engagement through social media, where to have vigils, how to get together, where to get help, all of that was done through social media. And those are very positive experiences and powerful. Well, media can be compared to dynamite. It can uh, create the Holes in the ground from which skyscrapers grow Mm -hmm. and it can also uh, blow up those buildings, unfortunately. On this edition of Update One, we've been talking with members of the National Association for Media Literacy Education, Jeff Scher from California, Natasha Casey from Illinois, and Belinda de Abreu from Connecticut, East, West, and Heartland. I'm Irv Chapman at the National Press Club in Washington. Thank you all. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One. Update One.